ones like yours inspire me to be brave don't hesitate it's what the imagination's for let's open that door and let's explode just me and you and the local who and welcome to The Local Who, where we highlight the change makers in your local area. I am your host, Ruth Amundsen. I have just a couple of announcements before we kick things off. First of all, did you hear that intro song? I am so lucky to have had an intro song written and created by the one and only Bailey Rushlow from Nashville, Tennessee. She is a singer-songwriter. She does a bunch of amazing covers with these, like, brilliantly creative videos, music videos that she does with them. Um, You can find her on YouTube. You can find her on Spotify and iTunes. And she's absolutely amazing. I 100% recommend you go check her out. Um, She was kind enough to create this intro song for me that I love uh, and will officially be using on all of my episodes. So I really hope you guys like it too. I'm stoked about it. It's so very cool. I am extra excited about today's episode because it was with an amazing, amazing person that I haven't seen in truly like seven or eight years. And it hadn't occurred to me that I hadn't seen him in that long until we were on the phone and I was realizing that I haven't seen him since probably when I graduated high school, which was in 2012. So it's been a minute. Um, His name is Hampton Palmore. And you're going to have to forgive me. I knew him as Connor Palmore. So throughout this entire interview, I called him Connor. So sorry again. Um, But he goes by Hampton Palmore and he's from Texarkana. Technically, we both lived on the Texas side, but I'm gonna fudge it for the purposes of the local who and we're gonna pretend like he is an Arkansas native. That's okay though. Um, He was born in Arkansas so it counts. But he is now working in New York City in the wonderful world of Broadway theater which is a personal love of mine. We met um, in a community theater in Texarkana 10 years ago, 11 years ago And we shared that love together, which was really cool. And we were really good friends when we were younger. And of course, life happens as it does. I went off to college and he went off to college and we went our separate ways. And this wonderful podcast, this little old podcast, brought us back together on the phone for this conversation, which if you're into theater at all whatsoever, or like, like New York, you should definitely listen to what he has to say. We get like a little bit of self-helpy in there and we talk about how to be a positive person. We also talk about peanuts. Hmm, you know, we dabble in everything. (laughs) So I hope you enjoy it and I'm so excited to introduce you to Hampton Palmore. Maybe. Or, like, otherwise you're going out to, like, New Jersey to go find a house. Oh. Is that, like, is, are all of the stereotypes around New Jersey and New York a real thing? Is it, like, is it, like, people from New York aren't, or from New Jersey aren't going to admit that they're from New Jersey? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, yeah, if you're, like, from New Jersey but like, live close to the city, then you just always say you're from New York City. Although you're not. Like, you don't live in Manhattan. You're <laughs> not a borough, like. Yeah, that is very true. Like, it's not New York City, but they're just going to say that. (laughs) So, okay, so you are 
the assistant to the executive producer at Namco. Yes. What, is, um, what does that mean? So I work for Namco, which stands for National Artists Management Company. Uh, we are management and executive producers uh, on Broadway, as well as for touring productions and international productions. So I am the assistant to executive producer Alicia Parker, and she has been the executive producer for currently two Broadway shows, which is Waitress, the musical, which, uh, yes, so so music written by Grammy Award winning Sarah Bareilles, who I was like actually on the phone with today for like two seconds. That was really cool. Um, And then uh, also Chicago, the musical, which uh, is... Uh, the longest-running American Broadway show. So, yeah. what, just last year they celebrated their 22nd year on Broadway. That's insane. That's yeah, crazy. it's it's crazy. That's one that um, I really want to see live. I've only ever seen, I've seen, like, the movie Chicago, but I've never seen Chicago live, and I want to so bad. Yeah, it's both, it is both different and very similar. Like, it's definitely the exact same story. But I'd say, like, it's done very differently. So, yeah, like, it's yeah. one worth seeing live. Oh, okay, so I'm going to, like, now that I know what you do, I'm going to back all the way up to way before that, and then we're going to work <laughs> our way backwards. So Perfect. When I need, I'm going to, I need to explain how I know you. So, I met Connor at, I didn't meet you, at, we met at, um, down to, at DYT, right? Yeah, yeah, at yeah, downtown yeah. U Theater. Okay, so we met doing like community theater, and I think I was like a freshman in high school, and I was younger than that. So I think I was one year younger, like eighth grade. Yeah, because didn't you graduate high school in twenty thirteen? Yeah. Then yes, yeah, you were one year younger than me. Um, and ba- back then you were on the stage, yeah. and now oh. you're not anymore. And I'm so curious as how you decided. Did you go to college with the intent of doing of acting or no? Um, so when I graduated high school, I went to the University of Texas to study theater studies. And so that was a major to become a theater teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept, I didn't change my major. I, I kept BFA in theater studies, but I very, very quickly realized that I loved directing. Directing is, like, something I fell in love with my very first semester at college. I got to direct for the first time, and then I just kind of kept doing bigger and bigger projects mm-hmm. until I did something professionally. I was like, oh, my gosh, maybe I should change my major to this. <laughs> so instead of changing my major, I, like, dropped getting a teacher certificate. So my senior year, specifically, like, my last semester of college, instead of student teaching, I was, like, completely free. So I, like, filled it with all of these directing courses and this really awesome producing class that was at UT. Ooh. Uh, and that's where I first, well, not where I first learned about producing, but where I first learned about, like, how to make a career out of being a producer. Yeah. Um, so I just said, let's do it. I mean, I, by then I'd already done something professionally for directing, so I was like, okay, when I moved, when, when I moved to New York City, which that's a long story to get there, but... Um, I, like, knew I had this one contact, and I reached out, and I just tried to learn from her, and that's who I'm currently the assistant of. I moved up to become full-time. 
And so I'm definitely still learning what exactly I'm go- I, I, I want to be doing most. But right now I'm trying to learn about the producing part mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And you went to UT in Austin, right? Yeah, the University of Austin. So did you get, you used to be the assistant director at Dallas Theater Center. Yeah, so um, when I, let's see, that was spring semester of my junior year of college, um, I took a semester off from classes to go do a professional internship there, where I was there directing fellows, so I got to assistant direct two of their shows, uh, which both have like million dollar budgets, and they bring in an audition out of New York and bring in Broadway actors. So that was the first time I ever got like paid to do something with directing. I was mm-hmm. the assistant director. That was my first like professional credit. And um, what was the show? First, we did Romeo and Juliet, which was oh. so cool. We like <laughs> set it with like Romeo as this tortured artist oh. that like played in a rock band, but like it was all the original text still. It was super cool. Oh, kind um, of like a like a Midnight Summer's Dream business yeah yeah it was kind of like that but even like bigger of an adaptation like we wrote a song using all the original text it was it was pretty pretty outrageous it was really cool and then i did uh dream girls uh which was a blast and actually our the actress who played our effie marisha wallace uh, she was from New York. She'd done a couple Broadway shows. She is now opening Waitress in London, like, <gasps> next week. So, like, my very first professional musical, she was my Effie. And now my very first, like, Broadway credit, she's also in that cast. So that's, like, awesome and amazing. Full circle. <laughs> that's so cool. Oh. Yeah. I yeah, just... literally across the world, like, both those things still happened. It's so weird because the more you talk about this, the more that I remember like eighth and ninth grade Connor and Ruth and the fact that we did things like Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat and in like a really like hardcore community theater business (laughs) and you like like, did something with it and that's so cool to me that's like definitely where I think it all started like was in the first show I was ever in was in the downtown youth theater when I was in seventh grade was was Midsummer. That was the first one I was ever in. Was it really? And, yeah, that was my first one. Um, so that, like, it definitely, definitely started there. And, like, I still think of Forrest and that whole family. And I think Ooh. of all my high school productions, too. I know. Um, you I just, did... I've, I've never stopped since then. You did a lot with Pleasant Grove, too, right? I did, yeah. Um... See, sophomore year of high school, I got into like their their competition cast, their advanced theater, mm-hmm. and then from there, I just like nonstop did all of their shows, and uh, pro- got it. That was my first got a taste of of how to produce as well. Mm-hmm. Well, they did really. I what I remember about PG was that they did like. I don't want to say like professional level shows, but they, they had a high standard for their shows. Yeah. I think definitely like Debbie Sutton prides herself in running high schoolers as if they are professionals is yeah. what I would say. Yeah. Um, and we certainly thought that we were professionals. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to look back and think on it. I was like, Oh man, so many things are wrong. But <laughs> We thought we were professionals. Uh, but yeah, I definitely credit like 
where where downtown youth theater is like where I found my love for theater the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Pleasant Grove and doing all those shows is where I really found my work ethic mm-hmm. and where like I made it what I work toward every day. So what is it about theater that draws you to it? Oh man, you know, I we can talk about this in a second, but I was in my last job, which was not theater related at all. Oh really? And I told myself that if if I could finish that job and never go back to theater, then I would do it. And here I am back in theater. <laughs> uh, so I think it's uh, it's like hard to put put words to it, but theater is the art of empathy. You know, I, I love music and visual painting and dance and, and all the above. Uh, but I think theater works best at teaching empathy and teaching how to empathize with others and, and makes you cry in completely different ways. And I think it really puts together dance and music and visual art and all the above. I think in no other art form does so many different art forms come together to make something bigger than itself. Mm-hmm. So just that, like, excites me. Like, I want to do the biggest <laughs> thing I can, the, the most that I can, and I want people to, like, feel the most emotionally with the art. And there's just nothing like that yeah. like theater. I guess you're right. Theater is kind of like the only art form that is a culmination of all of the art forms that you could do. Yeah, I mean, you've got people that do nothing but look at colors for dresses for costume design. And then you've mm-hmm. got a person that does nothing but build a room for set. Then you've got a person that does nothing but write music. Yeah. Then you've got actors. Then you've got singers. Then you've got dancers. I mean, everyone has to be able to come together. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially while I was drawn, why I was drawn to directing, because that your job as a director is just to bring in all these different forms into one cohesive piece. And that's what I really like. Mm. So what is, like, if you had to walk us, walk me through, like, a, what you do in a day, like, what is the, I I feel like I know on a surface level what a producer does, but I also feel like I know what it is on, like, a movie deal, but I don't really know what it means for, like, Broadway or stage shows. Yeah, um, I'm still figuring that out every day. I feel like producers do, do so much. It's, it's insane, but um, so I again I'm the assistant executive producer, so this is kind of what the executive producers do. Yeah, they are there when a thought for a show is it, the very first thought for a show. So uh, for waitress, for example, um, Barry Weisler, who's uh, the head of Namco, the other executive producer, in addition to Alicia, he was watching the movie version of Waitress one day and says, "Hey." What if this was turned into a musical? Mm-hmm. And so he's the one that says, okay, let's find a director. Let's find someone who can write the music. Let's find someone who can make this a script. A script. And so he went through all the different music writers. He hired all of them. He paid them. And more than anything, a huge part of the job is raising all the money, getting investors, getting the millions and millions of dollars it takes to get to Broadway 10 years later. Yeah. Um, and so they they're the number one in charge. They're kind of like the CEO of a show. Mm. So they uh, have all kind of final say. They're in control of all the money. And they also are like the number one investor, so they receive the most back as well, if it does well. Yeah. 
um, but they hire directors and, and playwrights and all of the above, and they kind of choose all of those, as well as just oversee all money and management. So I am the, the assistant to Alicia, who's another executive producer in the company. And so Alicia, in comparison to Barry, who's maybe the more creative big picture, Alicia, Alicia specializes in the day-to-day management. So uh, today we were talking about casting of the Waitress Broadway production and alongside casting of the Chicago production. You know, Chicago's been open 22 years. We're still getting new people in the cast because we've got to stay open. So when will auditions be? What will that be? Who has to fly out? Oh, we're going to open a show across the ocean in, in Asia. There's an Asian tour. Let's make that happen. Let's do that. She's more day-to-day of what already exists. Mm. Uh which is an endless amount of different things that could be <laughs> yeah. from like from uh, uh, Ben Platt wants to come see waitress next week. Let's make sure we get him good tickets Yeah. to uh, like super, just the, the most random minor details as well. What one line and one contract says from eight years ago that we now need. Yeah. And so I assist her and all of that. So my day, I know I, I fulfill everything from personal assistant to assistant producer. Like some of my responsibilities are small and some are big. Mm-hmm. So in the same day, like today, I was coordinating calls and was like on the phone with Sarah Bareilles for a couple of seconds and doing all that and finding these Broadway contracts. And the next second, I'm getting the producer, Alicia, some water because she needed a refill. Yeah. So it's definitely a big range of, or big range of what I do. Yeah. I feel like it's a job that keeps you humble. Definitely, but also like, also pets my ego too because I'm still, you know, realizing like Andrew Lloyd Webber is coming to our show. You're lying. Yeah, like all he he just saw us in the London production and like sent us an email review. I'm like, oh, thanks. And then the next second, you know, I'm like, uh, uh, scheduling flights and things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I feel like this is. The more that you talk about it, the more that I'm praising God that that wasn't a calling for me because I'm like the least detail oriented person. And I feel like this job relies on detail oriented. You know, I, when the producer looked or said to me in my interview that this is insanely detail oriented, I like kind of shriveled up because <laughs> I struggle with being detail oriented. Um, so this is like definitely a big learning curve for me. Like yeah. I thought I could be detail oriented, but <laughs> it's to a whole new level. Yeah. You get like one little line wrong and like her schedule the next day and major things can be thrown off. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh it's it is crazy. I'm definitely learning to be detail oriented like never before. That's crazy. So you there was a break between UT and what you're doing now. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I know you're going to have to explain all of this to me because I know nothing about what it is that you did inside of like a giant mobile peanut for like a year yeah. or something. But I don't know. I don't. I tried so hard. I creeped your Facebook and your Twitter so hard <laughs> trying to understand what it is that you were doing. And I have no uh-huh. idea. <laughs> um, I still ask myself what I did, but it was like best 16 months of my life um so let's start at the beginning uh a very good place to start Mm -hmm. um my senior year of college I was on I was walking into the theater building at UT 
and the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile was parked outside the theater building. <laughs> um, so the two drivers of it, they looked about my age. They like yelled at me off the street to like come inside and take a tour. So I was like, okay, why not? Uh, I'm talking to them for a little bit and they're like, hey, uh, we're recruiting new drivers for next year. Why don't you come to our info session tomorrow? Just bring a cover letter and resume. So I said, okay. So I, I, I got a resume and I, I went to the info session and I learned about uh, Kraft Heinz is the company there. Uh, mobile marketing programs and so they own the oscar meyer wienermobile and the planters nutmobile so uh i learned all about the wienermobile and i uh gave them my resume i got an interview the very next day and so i went in for an in-person interview at ut to maybe drive the wienermobile after i graduate uh thought it went pretty well i went home and a few weeks later i got a call back uh and at this point they didn't actually tell us about the Nutmobile, he just told us about Wienermobile, but I get a random call that says, hey, uh, we think you'd be awesome for the Planters Nutmobile. <laughs> Do you want to go for that? We will, uh, so I was not, at that point I was like, okay, this is, this is insane. Uh, I was only laughing, but uh, <laughs> they offered to fly me out to Chicago to, for the last, the next and last round of interviews. Um, so apparently everyone who applies for the Wienermobile or the Nutmobile just get thrown into the same big pool to be hired for either. And so, they, were, they were, like flew you out to Chicago for this? Yeah. So every year they hire 21 fresh college graduates to take off across the country for a year in either the Wienermobile or Nutmobile. And, uh, Every year in the spring when they recruit colleges all across the country, they get their best people and they also look at people from places they don't they don't recruit at and uh, decide on their final round and they fly all of them out to Chicago for a crazy 24 hours where they like wine and dine you one night and tell you all about the program and the next day you have these four back-to-back interviews at Kraft Heinz headquarters that are like insane. Um, and then you fly right back out. It's one night. Whoa. Um, it was crazy, but it was, it was so cool. So yeah, I went to that. So I, I, they wine and dined us and I learned about the nutmobile for the first time. Uh, the biggest difference is obviously it's a 24 foot long peanut (laughs) instead of a 23 foot long wiener. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and the nutmobile has three vehicles that travel in groups of three, whereas the Wienermobile has six vehicles and groups of two people per vehicle. Okay. Uh, we're groups of three because we also take turns being Mr. Peanut. <laughs> um, so. This uh, is like, on one hand, I don't, I want to be like, holy cow, you went through this like rigorous, intense interview process to put on a costume to be a peanut. <laughs> I mean, so confused. yes, absolutely, <laughs> and much more. Okay, um, it was oh, it was crazy. I mean, it was some of the most intense training as well. Once I did go through the interview and I did get it, they did a bunch of other tests and background checks, and then we had two weeks of peanut prep slash hot dog high, which is our training. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and. 
It was crazy. So that's where we learned about just how big this job is. So you truly travel for an entire year on the road. Yeah. Um, you don't go back to a home base. You book all your own hotels. You're in hotels for a whole year. You only have this vehicle and the two or one person that you travel with uh, for six months. And then you switch teams halfway through for the next six months. Holy um, cow. Truly insane. And we do uh, events, mostly at grocery stores, uh, but also at uh, NASCAR events. I did the Chicago Pride Parade at, uh, oh my gosh, so many things, car shows, um, That's so lots cool. of benefits, lots of triathlons, what are some other fun things? They did some stuff at the New York Stock Exchange, mm-hmm. um, lots and lots of events, rodeos, other sporting events, and... So we have at least one event every workday, or it's a drive day, so we may have three events in one day. And then on top of that, we also uh, interview with media sources. So we could be on the radio, newspaper, TV, or social media news sources every single week. And that was a big part of the training. So Kraft Heinz is like one of the biggest companies in the world. And there's 22 people who are allowed to talk to the media on behalf of Kraft Heinz at any time. Mm-hmm. It's one, the CFO, and then the 21 of us. Whoa. So, yeah, they take it incredibly seriously. And that was a big part of our training was just learning to talk on behalf of a major company and a multi-billion dollar brand. Golly, which um, I feel like in odd hindsight is so important for what you do now yeah it is i mean i learned so many skills that i could apply anywhere that changed my life uh most people were marketing or business or advertising majors uh i was the only theater major on the netmobile Mm -hmm. um but they're definitely applicable to what i do now like i definitely can talk to media and i can represent big thing big big companies i mean waitress the musical is a million dollar company as well as a Broadway show. Like it's huge. We have a touring production, a production on Broadway and a production in London. Like that's it's ginormous how big it is. Um and so there are very similar things to that. And then also just learning to be so organized to live on the road for a year and book our own hotels and mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Did teach me a little bit how to be detail detail oriented, although I still didn't completely learn. <laughs> so um, did you like did you not have plans for after graduation and this kind of fell in your lap or were you looking for something how did you transfer from college to the nutmobile right um so i guess i first saw the nutmobile in february so uh i was still open to what i wanted to do i know that i i knew since earlier in college i had an internship in new york city but um I knew that since then I wanted to eventually end up in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the big things that turned me on about this position with Kraft Heinz is, I mean, I got to tour the country, which I've not done a lot of traveling, yeah, and saving up money. So, like, on top of our salary, they also paid for a hotel for a year, and we got a weekly per diem to pay for food and taxis and, and Ubers. Nice. Um, so I got to save up more money than I ever could have first year out of college. Yeah. And that's the only reason I could move to New York City mm-hmm. was because of how much money I saved. If I didn't if I wouldn't have gotten that job and done the nutmobile for sixteen months, then I never would have moved to New York City. 
So that that was a big part for me. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I always love an adventure. Like that's <laughs> you do. <laughs> that's something I always want to do. It's just like something fun, exciting, and spontaneous. Uh, it just seemed so right. It just fell into my lap. It looked like it could align with what I eventually want to do, and it was limited. So there, I kind of broke this rule. But there's a rule like after the end of the year. You're done. So every single June, it's a new class of new people, no matter what. Yeah. Um, so I knew it was only going to be one year, and then I'll move on, which I liked that because I was going to get back to my field. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said earlier, I said, if I can finish my year and not go back to theater, then I won't. Yeah. And here I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I ended up doing it for 16 months. I actually got chosen to train the next class of peanutters and hot doggers, and then – this was kind of sad for the first time ever uh, someone quit the nutmobile during training. Uh, so they kind of had to scramble for a replacement. And uh, while they were replacing and interviewing and getting her, tr- the new person trained, I got to actually go on the road for about two more months. So I, I got 16 months total uh, with the nutmobile, which was, I was officially the longest peanutter in the six years of the nutmobile now. It would be you. That was super cool. You would be the, the know, one right? longest running peanut. I, I was like, I've never had a marketing background, like any of the stuff I'm supposed to have for this job. And I end up being the longest. Like, I'll take it. <laughs> I will love it. So how but soon okay. did you apply for the job it that you currently have with Namco? Did you apply for that while you were still doing the Kraft Heinz job? Or did that come after you finished? So... My last semester of college, I was also in that producing class, mm-hmm. and that was so special because we only met once a month and every er, no once a week, and every week they brought out a new executive producer from across the country or in Austin. Holy cow! To just teach us about what they do, it was incredible. That's um, amazing. And like not just theater, they did some theater, they did music, they did film, and they did like Las Vegas productions too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I met Alicia. So, uh, I met her in college, like did my, I was the TA for that class, luckily. And so I kind of like did my little networking, didn't really talk to her after she did her one lecture early on in the year and she left and I went on and got on the nutmobile. Um, (laughs) after that year, I knew I wanted to move to New York. I, uh, moved back home, kind of regrouped. Um, got my money together. I said, okay, I'm ready to move. I reached back out to my professor, professor, like, hey, I'd love to reach out to some of the people who came to our class last year. She said, great, let's reach out to, She gave we gave a couple names. And uh, I reached out to Alicia, just sent cold, cold email, just like sent her this thoughtful cover letter of like, hi, <laughs> I'll work for you in any internship, unpaid internship, whatever. Yeah. I would just love to work for you. And it took about a month of like casual interviews and moving up here and such and uh, ended up being an intern at Namco. So I uh, moved up here September 24th so that I could start October 1st. So I'd have one week before I would start. So I started as an intern. Love life as an intern. Did not love not getting paid. Yeah. Uh, definitely lived off of savings from the Nutmobile. Um, and... Just did as much networking and doing the absolute best I can. And, you know, I may be the very bottom person of the entire company, but I still showed up and, like, 
my my button-up shirts and my blazers every day like I was <laughs> much more yeah and um dress for the job you want not the job you have yeah that was kind of my goal that was the advice that I got and a few months later uh I was talking to him constantly like okay I've gotta leave soon just because I can't live off of not getting paid and I was gonna apply for they had a marketing position opening open up I was like hi I'm very interested I'll have to apply they're like great we'd love to talk to you uh so like talked to them about that was interviewing for that and at the same time Alicia's assistant decided to leave so I like finally got to have a one-on-one with Alicia and she was like okay she's like okay like my assistant's leaving I know you're interested in this marketing job but when you moved here, you told me you were more interested in producing. I was like, yes, absolutely. She was like, okay, let's have your interview for that. Let's see if we can get you in. So within 48 hours, maybe even 24 hours of her losing her assistant, she hired me on to become her assistant Holy from cow. intern to assistant. So it was just being there when I was an intern, ended up getting me my job. Yeah. So you and, were only uh, an intern for like a couple of months. Yeah, so I started in October, and I, four weeks ago is when I started, but I guess it was even longer than that when I, when I officially got the job, so mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I started at the beginning of this month. That's crazy. So, I'm, so I was an intern for October, November, December, and January, so I guess four months, really. Okay. It was, it was great. I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate, I'm very lucky, like, everyone out there can, can work extremely hard and and still not get something, it does take luck at the end of the day, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, by no means have I hit anything phenomenal or something that no one else has done. Like, not that at all. Um, there's there's much more that I that I hope to do, and there's much more that other people have done, too. Yeah. So what do you, like, you're going to do this gig probably for a while. I, you, I would assume you're going to stick with this for a bit. Yeah, it's definitely a stepping stone job. Like, I'm not going to stay here forever. Yeah. Or stay in this position forever. Um, I'm thinking probably two years, and that's kind of what what uh, my what Alicia, my boss, said whenever I started. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, just move into a bigger role, whether it's with my company or not. Mm-hmm. What's kind of like your dream end goal? Where you would love to get to in career wise? You know, I have like two awesome dream goals uh that are very different and I don't know if they coincide but who knows <laughs> I mean like down the current path that I'm looking at uh I learn about producing the next eight or so years until I move up to hopefully become an executive producer I'm in a room one day where we say let's make this show and eight years later we open a million dollar Broadway production and I get to say like executive producer my name yeah that's definitely a goal or like yeah. i i opened my own show we're we're a tony award-winning show yeah uh and i get to go and accept that award for for best musical of 2032 yeah <laughs> <laughs> but then the other side is it's similar but different uh is the more creative side Those producers can be somewhat creative in, in what we do and yeah. the oversight we have but in college like i said i really loved directing mm-hmm. so right now I'm, I have some things like hopefully coming soon in the future small things to direct but I mean equally on the other hand I would love to be a director of a major commercial production oh, um, that's so cool so I 
I don't know. I think I think I I like making decisions, whether they're more financial and and brain heavy, or whether they're creative. I really like it both. Yeah. What um, was your What did you love about directing? Whenever you did it at the Dallas Theater Center, what was the like your absolute favorite part of that? Every single day, my job or our job was just to make better theater, make better theater that was going to move people, that was going to change people, that was going to make a difference to someone that one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, we could see that every day. I mean, I got paid to go listen to people sing through a show all day long for eight hours, or I would go work on the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet for four hours. Like, I got paid to truly do that every day like that's a dream to me yeah um so just being in a thick of creating something new that no one's ever done was my favorite thing of directing I'd say do you miss acting like being in the shows at all or do you just or have you fallen in love with what you do now that you don't really miss it directing is definitely what I love most I'd say Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't really miss it for that sense. Like, I'm definitely open to acting, maybe doing some small things. <laughs> um, but uh, I miss directing more than I do acting, I, I, I definitely say. Yeah. Yeah. I have, like, a weird... I, I think it started with DYT. Granted, my obsession has not taken me where yours has, but, like, stemmed from DYT, I now have, like, a weird obsession with theater and I just, like, there's, in Texarkana, you know Tex Rep in Texarkana? Yeah. So. Yeah, with Michael Cooper. Yes. Oh, that man. He's a genius. Um, mm-hmm. So I, they're, like, at least for me, and I won't, I don't want to, like, disparage any community theater in Arkansas because I don't yeah. really know any of it. But to me, Tex Rep has been, has had, like, the closest to like professional shows that I've seen in Arkansas so I get really excited about their shows and even though I live in Conway I drive back I drive back to Texarkana to see their shows and Kyle thinks I'm insane Kyle's like you're gonna drive two and a half hours to go see like a community theater show and I'm like no you don't understand it's amazing and I need to see it (laughs) but like I don't I I just I love the the entire concept of theater of like taking a story and either I don't know there's so many sides to it either like relaying someone else's story for you to better understand or taking someone's story and like changing it to become your own is so cool to me like it's it's oh it's my favorite thing I love it so much yeah storytelling like helps everyone involved the person telling the story the person experiencing it and you never know where people gonna where you're gonna meet people where the people meet the story whenever whenever it hits them Mm -hmm. and like that both that unknown and figuring out how it hits you I think it's unlike anything else yeah any other any other art form out there and and if we don't tell stories then they no longer exist yeah and that's just how it is like it's truly up to the storytellers to continue them yeah oh I love you you keep saying things that I want to write down because they're so insightful (laughs) and I love them (laughs) Well, thank you. You're so sweet. <laughs> so what is the, what would you say, we're going to take a left turn. What would you say is mm-hmm. the hardest part of this professional theater life? Oh man. 
Um, well, I, that goes back to what I said earlier, was if I could have finished my year or 16 months within that mobile and not gone back to theater, I never would have. Some people ask me, like, why? Like, you love it. It makes you so happy. Like, it's all you can think about. Why would you ever want that? But I, like, never wish this upon anyone. Yeah. Truly. It's a hard, hard path, a hard industry. Yeah. It's 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 insane. You have to be insane to do it mm-hmm. or else go do something else. Yeah. Um, and I wish I could. Um, <laughs> hardest thing i mean i respect actors to no end i think maybe that's why i don't miss it as much because i see where professional actors do but uh you may be on broadway one week and then you find out your show's closing and you file for unemployment the next week and who knows if you'll ever be cast again like that's not an uncommon story oh that's so scary Um, and I'm talking about, like, the people who get paid the most. That's on Broadway. Lips, if you're doing theater in Little Rock, which they do have one professional company, um, mm-hmm. Arkansas Rep. Yeah. Um, those people, while they do get paid better than anywhere else in the state, they can't make acting their only job. Yeah. So you've got to love it to do it. And so I respect those people so much. I respect actors as a whole so much. Um, I think the hardest thing about theater is it takes everything out of you, your time, your emotions, your analytical mind, your creative mind, all the above. It truly takes all of you to make something that matters. Mm -hmm. And the competition is fierce because uh, it is a small industry still. And there are a lot of people that are that crazy. Yeah. So it's just, it's fueled by nothing but love for it. It's certainly not fueled by by doing it to make money because it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I like everything. This is the weirdest comparison that I never would have thought to make. But everything you're saying is what, <laughs> is what it feels like to work in a church. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. not, which is what I do now. I don't know if I told you that. Yeah. I work in a church now. Um, yeah. But it's like it takes all of your emotion, the like creative and emotional side of you. It takes all of the pragmatic side of you. It's like, I would not wish this on my worst enemy, even though I also love everything about it. But like, it's yeah. Everything you said, I was like, Oh my gosh, it sounds like he works in a church. I can't. (laughs) It's true. But it's always worth it. Just doing something you love. It is. Yeah. It is. Oh, it is so much. So what was the, was there a culture shock to moving from a place like Texarkana to a place like New York City? Oh gosh, from there to there, definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, I was I, I was lucky to like live many places, may, do many things before New York. Like I was I was prepared yeah. for so many reasons. Oh, um, you lived in Austin, and Austin is big, right? So much bigger. So, yeah. Okay, I'll try to like quickly go through my moving to New York location story. Um, so yes, Texarkana, my whole life. I was born in Wadley, Wadley on the Arkansas side of mm-hmm. Texarkana. Um, lived in Texarkana, Texas for the rest of my life until I graduated high school. Moved to Austin, which was a little bit of a culture shock, but I, okay. Yeah. Already skipping something. Um, in, in high school, I just did New York for the first time. Uh, I was already in love with theater, and I saw my first Broadway shows when I was a freshman in high school. Um, 
and uh what was it what was your first broadway show my very first was billy elliott the musical (gasps) that's another one i want to see so bad oh my gosh (laughs) so 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 good you can see that movie too if you haven't oh i've definitely seen the movie i love the movie i want to see it live so bad um i saw billy elliott first and the very next day i saw wicked that was my second one that was my first one my Um, first one was wicked amazing yeah. Oh, I just saw Wicked again last week, funny enough. You can never see um, Wicked too many times. <laughs> oh my gosh, never. <laughs> um, so yeah, I visited New York for the first time. And I was like, okay, this is crazy, and I'll probably never get here, but like, I, I like remember telling someone, like, it's my dream to live here. Yeah. And so like that was the first time I was like, okay, I think I want to go to New York City. I want to go somewhere huge, somewhere different. My best friend from high school say go to university of texas she was a year older than me mm-hmm. and uh so i kind of followed her to austin they also had the number one program for theater education which is why i started out and uh that was a big culture shock it was the first time living somewhere that was just so much more diverse in thoughts and in so many different ways first time living in a big city mm-hmm. for one thing yeah um, that was definitely my first culture shock and more than anything going to the University of Texas like walking to pe- walking every single day to where I needed to go instead of driving mm-hmm. and being around thousands of other people walking around me that I may never recognize their face their face the next day yeah was so different than Texas Canada yeah um, where literally every single person knows every single person <laughs> right like I can go to go to the Walmart in Texarkana tomorrow and see people I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so crazy. So uh, that was my first big adjustment. And then, uh, like I said, I lived in Dallas for a little bit in college, which is an even bigger metroplex. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got used to that, and that's much more driving and things like that. Then I got an internship at Lincoln Center Theater in New York City when I was in college. Okay. That was the first time I, I somewhat lived in New York. I, that was for, for just like two months, and I kind of got a taste of what it's like to live here. And at the end of it, I still said, I, I got to do it. I want to live here. There was a big culture shock just taking the subway every single day. Mm-hmm. The, it was the f- first time living somewhere where every day people travel to there to visit. Like tourism. Yeah. It was the first city I lived in with tourism where, yes. where people are coming to me just for fun, coming to my city. Which is a weird, it's a weird thing to experience. Yeah, it that's, definitely is. That's how it was when I was in Switzerland. I The city that I worked in was like a, mm-hmm. it wasn't like Zurich. It wasn't like a super touristy place, but it was still tourist. Mm-hmm. Like people came there to... Like, seeing the amazing architecture and all this stuff. And I was... It was so strange to me. Uh, like, actual, I guess, civilians of St. Gallen were, like, not faced by it at all. But I was so yeah. confused. I was like, what? Like, we... <laughs> I yeah. take this bus to get to work every day. And you're... Like, yeah. <laughs> it was so weird to me. It was such a strange experience. Yeah, it's so strange now. So, my office is in Times Square. Oh my so gosh, of Square. course it is. What is your every life, day. Connor Palmore? What um, is your it's, life? It's insane. I still don't know. <laughs> but every day I walk through Times Square now, and it does not phase me anymore. Oh. Uh, but I do look around. Like, okay, so instead of looking up, which like what the tourists do, yeah. I look at the tourists. I'm like, where are they looking? What are they doing? So like, you can spot them immediately and yeah. work your way around them to get where I need to go. 
but that's that was a big difference where I was just like, oh wow, these are hundreds of people every single day that are traveling across the world to come to where I get to like work every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like knowing that makes me feel like this is where I want to be. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I, that's as much as like I can be annoyed having to work <laughs> around people who don't live here. Yeah. It's great. Like I, I definitely love it. And I'm, and I'm not annoyed at the end of the day. What's but, your favorite um, part of New York living in, like actually being in New York, being a, a New Yorker? It's that <laughs> there's, it is the biggest change of lifestyle. No, it's, well, these are the negative things. Here you go. <laughs> no one has laundry like in unit in their apartment. No really? one has a dishwasher. What? Like that doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless you're very well off, then you have a dishwasher and a washing machine. Like all these, and it's obviously much smaller. Yeah. Um, those are the the biggest things. But what I love about it, it makes it so worth it. I, I I do all my favorite things. Like like I said last week, just got a text one random day that a friend that I see maybe once a month, like, hey, I've got three extra tickets. See Wicked. You want to go? And I go see Wicked. And the very next week, I'm in a different Broadway show. The next week, I'm in a show in Brooklyn. And the next week, doing that. Like, it's the center and the heart of what I love to do. Yeah. And so that's my my personal favorite part. Um, and my second favorite part that I always tell other people in other industries is that it's a city of driven people. The people that live here are ready to get up and do work. And I think that's the biggest thing I miss. So before I moved here, I spent, like, three months in between the nutmobile and moving here in Texarkana. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the biggest difference that I really missed is people wake up every day, like ready to do more, make themselves better, make something better. Yeah. Nobody in New York is half ass in it. Like that's just not a thing. Yeah, It's not like you, you can't, you, you won't survive like, yeah. as, as bad as that sounds. You truly won't survive. Yeah. It's gotta be that way. That's my favorite thing. That's what I thrive on, and it makes me do better, and it makes me do more work. Oh, my gosh. I need you to be my life mentor. Girl, (laughs) New York City is my life mentor. (laughs) I don't know what to say. New York City is my life mentor. (laughs) It is. I hate it, and I love it. I'll tell you everything wrong with it and everything I love. Definitely a a love-hate relationship. Oh, that's so – I love that. I never would have that's and I like hearing that perspective of it because I don't feel that I never could have guessed that that was what you were going to say about it. Like it didn't that doesn't occur to me that that's like a thing that that's like a lifestyle of being in New York is you have to work freaking hard to be there. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, and that's kind of across all industries, whether I guess work hard doesn't necessarily mean um, doesn't always mean the amount of hours you put in every day yeah but it puts in how driven you are yeah. where do you want to go somewhere big because all companies have a headquarter here have a office here all industries have something here this is a capital of the world yeah even more so than the country and so like this is for people that want to go to the top mm-hmm. and so that's that's really what it thrives on it's just that energy um that's both very cutthroat and very supportive yeah like it's like i said like alicia took 
definitely took me under her wing to to rise me up and if she was very supportive in that way mm-hmm. and it's cutthroat because many people want your job but every no one's rooting for you to do bad everyone's rooting for all of us to do good because we're all on an even playing field yeah and in a city this big it's not like you're gonna remember anyone else you're up against tomorrow so why be mean to them honestly mm-hmm. everyone understands that you have to kind of make your own family here because most people don't have their whole family here. Some yeah. people definitely do. Yeah. There are families that live in New York City. Yeah. But for the most part, it's people that have like left their lives and come there for a reason. For the most part, our age, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. You build your own like mini communities when you get there. Yeah. You definitely do. And people want to build communities here, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Whereas, like, if I were in Texarkana trying to get a, a, a group together, I feel like uh, it might almost be more difficult, whether that's through a number of people or through people busy or, or knowing each other. Whereas I feel like it's much easier to get a group of 10 strangers in a room to hang out and do something here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's so... That, okay, so I... My, the last episode I did was with a guy named Brad Bird, and he was talking about the vibe in... He's a singer, songwriter, musician, and he was talking about the vibe in Nashville and how he... Un, it makes sense to him how Nashville be, can become, like, a hub for music because the vibe there, like, the environment is that people... People are always going to say yes. Like, if you ask someone to do something, even if it's just hanging out or if it's like, hey, I want to go write, like, I want to try and write a song together. Everyone's always going to say yes because it's like, you're in Nashville, have the opportunity, do it. But when you're in Conway, people aren't going to say yes. Like, it's Conway. Why would you do that? So, like, I feel like places like Nashville and New York and L.A. and whatever, they're like these places where it's like, you should always say yes to opportunities and... Uh, I love yeah. that so much. I want to live in a place like that so bad. Uh, I mean, I love living in Dallas too, let me say, which is very, very different. Yeah. Um, I moved to Dallas knowing basically no one. Whereas mm-hmm. here, I honestly knew quite a, quite a few people yeah. before I moved here, that lived here. Yeah. Dallas, I moved, I knew like no one. Yeah. So I definitely do think it's, it's possible in bigger cities that aren't like this and bigger cities that aren't specifically for the arts or known for the arts, I'll say, like Nashville and New York. Yeah. But that that's what I love about about a big city is that there's so many people and people want to make their own communities and you can find people that want to do the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. And if you don't see them in a month, that's totally cool. Yeah. I like that in a non cynical way. Yeah. And then if you want to see them again, you do. That's it's just like a it's it's like a different world. It's so weird. It is. Like, uh, uh, that's why I just cannot go back to Texarkana. No, I feel, uh, yeah, Because I feel of that. that culture difference now. Yeah, I can imagine that. I am, like, I, I don't know. Maybe this was a, do you ever get, because you've moved to multiple places now and you did an entire 16 months of, like, where you weren't, you, there was no stability. I mean, like, you had a job, but as far as, like, there was no stability of you were in a hotel every other night and you were doing this and this, but I, maybe this is so far out there that it, it's not affecting you. But when I moved to Conway, I had spent years 
being in a different place every like three months. Like I was just moving somewhere different every three or four months. And when I got to Conway, after I'd been here for like eight to 10 months, I had to do this like weird self check where I had to remind myself that this is stability and this is okay. Like this is a good thing that I've settled down somewhere because I felt weird and antsy. Like I needed to be going somewhere else. Like I shouldn't be sitting still. But that's not true. Yeah. Like you're finally stable somewhere. Did you have you felt that after you finally stopped somewhere after going and going and going? Well, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, since I graduated high school, I have not lived in one place more than ten months. Yeah. Um, I never spent a whole year in Austin or Texarkana since I graduated. Yeah. Every summer I was doing something. So even still today, I haven't done that. Like I, I haven't been here eight months yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's quite possible. I just haven't hit that yet. Yeah. And um, it may be that being someplace like New York where you really are like you're going, going, going all the time that maybe it won't feel that way for a long time. Um, yeah, definitely. And I do think that's a part of it. And like, I think I'm going to be moving apartments in the next couple months by choice. Yeah. Um, so like, all those different things may also be, be, be keeping that from happening. Yeah. But, like, I loved living in Austin, mm-hmm. but I still felt a need to, like, do other things in the summer if yeah. I absolutely could. So that's yeah. why I did my summer in Dallas and why I did a summer in New York. Mm-hmm. And then right when I graduated college, I started my tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I can definitely get restless in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I knew when I moved to New York that this is where I want to start to lay down roots mm-hmm. for the first time kind of of my life besides like the roots of college that I knew would eventually go away. Yeah, they're um, temporary roots. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It absolutely may happen. I love traveling and I still never really left the country. Have you not? Really? No. I mean... Literally, the only thing I've done is when I was on tour with the Nutmobile, we were in Corpus Christi. I rented a car with mm-hmm. one of my partners. I drove um, down south to a great border town that one of my friends are from, and we walked across the Progreso Bridge into <laughs> Mexico. We had lunch in Mexico. I bought a $1 tequila shot on the street of Mexico. <laughs> And then I walked back across to America. And that's been your international experience. 100% of it. That's (laughs) all that I've ever left the country. Honey, we need to fix Um, that. I know. absolutely. And like, here's what I'm going to save up for. I was actually going to go. um, Sadly, like my my three months in between the Nutmobile and moving here, um, I had a slight tragedy that made me lose money. I like made my first big boy adult purchase after my saving up all the money at my job mm-hmm. and bought paid in full a used car Ooh. and uh, paid it off in full. And within 24 hours of putting on the license plate, <gasps> there was a large like oh, no. garbage can, like what you put on your sidewalk to hold like five garbage bags Yeah. Um, in the middle of the interstate at the weary exit by Texarkana. Oh, no. And my car hits it, goes off the road, hits the median, 
the rips off the hood, the hood puts a hole in the windshield, busts the passenger window, busts the back window. Holy cow. And I do a 180 in the median and the car is totaled. What um, in the world? I never knew that this happened. I like have not been public about it at all. I didn't post about it anywhere. It was a big ass awakening for me. Holy um, cow. It was it was so sad. I lost every penny I paid for it plus Ugh. money. So you, you didn't have um, any like insurance on it. There was nothing you could do. I only had liability and so they didn't pay anything back because uh, no one else was liable. Oh, that um, breaks my adult heart for so, you. Yeah, here's my like <laughs> my very first big boy adult purchase, like thousands of dollars down, paid yeah. for in full. Yeah. Gone. Oh um, my gosh. I'm truly, I'm thankful to be alive. Could yeah. have been much worse. And yeah. I am so fortunate that I had the means to, like, go on with my life after that, even losing the money. Mm-hmm. Um, that was amazing. And never, if that had ever happened before in my entire life, I wouldn't have been able to go on like I did. Yeah. So, like, as terrible as it is, there are many blessings in it, too. Yeah. It all worked out, kind of. <laughs> it, it did all work out. It really did. I'm still alive today, and now I'm getting a paycheck again, so yeah. life goes on for life, sure. Life goes on. I feel like you're one of those people that – and, like, I, granted, we haven't – the Connor Palmore that I know is, like, 11th grade – Six, mm-hmm. 16-year-old Connor Palmore, but from my four years of experience with you, I feel like you're one of those people who, like, you smile at the universe and the universe smiles back at you. Like, you are so, like, naturally excited and thankful for the things that happen in your life that the universe is just like, here, we're going to give you these things because you have been so excited about life and thankful for life and this is this here we appreciate you (laughs) I don't say that to like diminish the amount you work so hard but I just feel like I get that vibe that you're one of those people that just you smile at the universe and it smiles back at you well thank you I mean I I I fully do believe in the power of being positive yes Um, yeah and like I'll talk people to death about it, and I and I have. Um, one of my one of my partners, Tanaja, that I traveled the road with, um, started the half with my team, saying that she's a negative person. I told her from day one, it's not going to work. We're going to be positive every <laughs> single day. I don't care what happens. We're going to be positive. Yeah, and that's definitely how I try to view my whole life. And, and she was so thankful for that. And she said that she's more positive person today because of it. And I think if that's what's going to make you happy. Like no matter what major shit's going to happen in life. Yeah. And it only matters what you do with it. So like I try that and like, I, I fully do believe you get back what you, what you put out. And I just, think everyone should and we're be happier that way and I and I hope that's the energy that I get back from other people yeah but I can't expect it unless I give it how do you like uh, we're we're trailing off into almost like a self-help area but how do you how do you uh, okay so I tend to be generally positive but Mm -hmm. I really struggle especially since 
I have started, like, the job life that I have started. I really struggle with, like, continuing to be positive after someone is consistently negative. And I don't know. I feel like you're better at this positive thing than I am. What? How do you traverse that, like, just constant negativity from another person? I mean, I think the biggest thing that you have to do is communicate with them what what it is. Yeah. And that well, that's specifically what I had to do. I mean, I was going to be working with this person every single day. I was going to be living with this person every single day, doing all activities with the person every day. I was going to be in a, t- a new town every week with this person, where her and my other partner were the only two people I knew mm-hmm. for six months. And so, all we could do is communicate. And so, I think. If you can manage expectations and if you just say, like, hi, I'm going to be very positive and that's what I work best in and that is what I need. If you can't give me that, that's okay, but I'm going to have to get it somewhere else and I just can't accept that negativity. Mm-hmm. And, like, don't say it in a malicious way at all. The way I said it may have even been negative, but, like, try to say it in a constructive way because you saying you need positivity doesn't mean that you're saying you need to change you know Mm. that's kind of two different things yeah um if they won't give you positivity like yes you can ask them to change like hi can you maybe not come to me with that negativity you know (laughs) if you're in this power to do so this is your boss and of course not yeah yeah but if you're in that position where you can do that then absolutely say that and if they're like you know this is how i am or this is how i view the world then that's not your job to change that you've got to look elsewhere. You've got to not deal with it. Deal with it as the minimum as you can. I truly believe that, like, smiling back and being positive is more than anything else. Mm. Um, like, just truly acting by example and not letting that phase you. Because I think the biggest thing that when people are being negative that fuels negativity is other people being negative with them. Yeah. It brings people down and it becomes bigger and bigger. Definitely. And so if you don't go down with it or if others don't go down with it, then they have nowhere else to go. Mm, this is like this is the most eloquently way this is the most eloquent way I've ever heard anyone say kill him with kindness. <laughs> oh my god. Well I mean long winded way, maybe. <laughs> That's really what it is. Um, no, it's yeah, so good. Kill, kill him with kindness and manage expectations is like Uh, the biggest advice I ever received is just manage expectations like your own expectations or like other people with others with your own like all the above just be like hi this is how I am going to be or hi this is what I expect out of this relationship Mm -hmm. just like manage expectations because if you don't manage expectations, then they don't know that they're doing something wrong or doing something that isn't working. Yeah. Like they, they just don't. And so that works like in work and relationships, like all the above, just communicating and managing expectations. Yeah, And doing that consistently, like consistency of your expectations and consistency of communication. You can't communicate with someone one time and be like, we communicated great over that situation and then never do it again. And it's just not going right. to, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, communication never stops. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. You need to, in in all of your free time, you should be a, like a self-help speaker. Oh my gosh, I would love that. <laughs> I know you would. You would be so good at it. <laughs> I love talking about myself, if you can't tell. <laughs> no, speak. 
stop. I love it so much. I love uh, everything about it. Oh, thank you. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like someone wants to listen, which is awesome. Of course. That's why I was like, I was so excited to, to, okay. So when I was coming up with people to have on this, like a weird passion baby of a podcast, I mm-hmm. was I was coming up with all these lists of people and like completely out of nowhere your name came I your name came up on my Facebook and I was like I'm pretty sure he lives in New York and like took this in like this love of theater and did like a thing with it and I went and like granted I see your stuff on Facebook pretty constantly mm-hmm. like keep up with it but I know I hadn't it had been years since I had like took a deep look into your social media life which sounds so weird but I did and I was like oh my god this is the like you're the most charismatic person I know I could not think of a better person to like have a one-on-one conversation with I was so excited (laughs) oh thank you I love that I knew right when you reached out I was like yes absolutely (laughs) like that that sounds amazing I like definitely want to catch up with you and I love talking about myself. This is perfect. <laughs> I'm just, oh, I'm so appreciative that you did it at all. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad to. Thank you. <laughs> I can't wait to like. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Hampton. I had such a great time. Ugh. He's such a lovely person. Remember, you can find us on Instagram at the local who pod, on Twitter at the local who pod, Facebook, the local who, and we have an email address, yourlocalwho at gmail.com. I am always looking for new people to interview, so feel free. Send me names of individuals, of bands, of businesses. I'm so excited to get to know more of these amazing people in Arkansas. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you next Thursday. Bye. The local who.